Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. What's going on, everybody? We are live with Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 193. Kyle Bennett, Matt Castorino, live from Underground Studios. As always, show brought to you by Main Auto LLC, Dusharms Pro Foot, Security 21, Wainwright Bernhardt Funeral Home, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Auto Mall, Mark Ronchetti, CPA LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland, and of course, our friends at Design Tree. Use the promo code HOLIDAYS for 20% off. And I have a special little insight here for all of our uh, USP faithful. Use the promo code DSGN10. You just save $10 right off the bat. Easy as that. Search Underground Sports Philadelphia on dsgentry.com. Christmas Hanukkah Kwanzaa, two weeks away. Get it now so you get it. So it's under your tree so you can give it to all your friends and family, all that good stuff. Design tree. Dot com. What's going on, Matt? You know, living the dream. And Bede's living the dream, too. Shutting up all the old heads, appreciating, you know, what Charles Barkley and Shaq had to say. and uh, Someone has to. So. Just came out and, and absolutely dominated the Celtics. And then they uh, they took down J.J. Redick and the, and the uh, New Orleans Pelicans last night as well. 14-0 at Wells Fargo Center. And on a back-to-back, too, which... Without Al Horford. Sixers have not typically been a great back-to-back team. Part of that is because Embiid most times is getting rested. Um, I actually think, in a way, almost the Pelicans win is a little more impressive in that that was a game that you know last year and the year before we would lose, uh, not just because it's a back-to-back, but also – you know, you're talking about uh, it's a weaker team and you kind of lose that focus, you know, like that cliche of like a trap game. I think the Sixers fell into that hole a few times where, you know, they maybe don't have quite the the mental focus to go out there and take care of all of the bad teams too. Um, but yeah, that obviously going into Boston and winning, and I, I thought that was a great game, great performance as well. Like that's like, that is the blueprint for what I expect this team to be like in the playoffs. Um, and beat obviously, yeah, like you said, had a great night. And that's really, really positive. In a week where everyone was... I don't even know where a lot of this criticism has come from with Embiid. It's just come out of nowhere with people saying that he's been bad this season. He hasn't been quite as good as he was at this stage last year, but that's for two reasons. One, last year that was an unsustainable run that I think ultimately may have been connected to his fatigue and illness at the end of the season. And two, he, he had to last year. Now we have help, and we knew that when you get someone like Horford, that yeah, some of you know his his scoring might go away. You you look at this starting five; it's much stronger and much more coherent than the last two years have been. So it's not all that crazy to expect that Embiid maybe isn't going to be posting you know twenty seven, ten, and ten as often. You know, like he he's going to have nights where yeah, 
22, 23 points might be his match. Like, he's still such a dominant player, and I think he, he definitely showed that against Boston. I don't know where a lot of this narrative has come from about him uh, not being good enough this year, not being focused enough. I, I, I don't get it. And um, even Chris Webber during the Boston talk was like, I, you know, we were just saying about how I don't like to get on announcers, but he completely confused Embiid's night with Jokic's, which was, yep. and he even got Jokic's thing wrong. Jokic didn't have uh, no points in the first half. He just didn't shoot at all in like the first quarter. Like he was saying that Embiid had a great start to that game, the Pelicans game. He, he had like eight points in the first quarter or something like that. I, very confusing stuff, but that's the narrative right now around the Sixers team, which I don't understand. Is that this team isn't very good? They're nineteen and seven. Twenty and seven after last. Twenty year. and seven, yeah. Sorry, um, plus thirteen, fourteen and zero at home. Twenty wins halfway through the month of December. Like, I, this is like a sixty win pace that we're on right now. That's like in a nothing we expected. Yeah, and, and I think we'll trail off a little bit, and I think we kind of expected mid to high fifties, mm-hmm. which is probably where we'll settle but i it's just the the whirlwind around this team has been so strange because i feel like this has been such a great season so far um but listen as long as we keep winning i don't care what anyone has to say about us because ultimately it doesn't, it doesn't matter if if we finish you know <laughs> 75 and 7 right now like people would probably still say Embiid's not in good shape yeah. or whatever and you lost seven games yeah like it, who cares at this point i think um I think the Sixers are great. They're rolling through teams. They're also the offense is kind of coming around, which you know is really positive. I think I don't think Thibault is going to be shooting forty six percent from three uh, for his his career the rest of the season. But you know we are seeing a turnout. Mike Scott as well. The last week or so has really turned on. He had a great game in Boston. Starter Mike Scott starting. Um, yeah, and and that's that's all been really positive. As you've seen, kind of the. The role players start to, I think, get in a little bit of a groove, and they'll have, you know, bad weeks too. They'll have another bad stretch, or probably multiple through the rest of the season. But we are in a really, really good moment right now, a really good space where everyone's kind of clicking and and grooving really well. And it, what even I think makes this a little more impressive is you did two of these games without Horford. You know, again, where you you don't have the full starting five. You know, how many teams could go in to a place like Boston? Um, and win without one of their starters. And win, I wouldn't say comfortably. We didn't win comfortably, but that was a a controlling win. I don't think the Sixers snuck that one out or anything. I think the Sixers were, were right there the entire time, a very competitive game. Um, I did, not many teams, I don't think, do that particularly. Uh, so that's impressive. And, yeah, I... <laughs> I, I don't know. Like I, I don't I don't get any of the negativity around the Sixers at this stage. It's just hilarious that uh you know Jalen Brown had a lot to say leading up to this game and uh, forty one minutes you could only put up eight points, pal. Like gotta back that up a little bit, just like Joel Embiid backed it up with thirty eight, thirteen and six. Now what what Charles Barkley and, and Shaq said where they expect him to do this every single night, it's just not possible. Like it's 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 just not, but Embiid kind of just like smiling, waving from what they were saying and everything, and he he took it and he shut everybody up. And you know, looking at what they were able to do too, Tobias Harris continues to roll. There is now All Star Tobias Harris conversations, which I think is fantastic. Uh, the only thing from that Celtics game I think you could say was a negative was Ben continued to struggle against Boston. Yeah, but. When I say the blueprint for the the postseason, I don't think Ben is ever going to be 
fifth, third, even right. maybe fourth option on this team. Scoring-wise, he's going to be someone that in the postseason is going to be really effective on the break, which he is all throughout the regular season, too, um, and someone that you're going to expect to be more of a, a defensive asset than anything. Um, so to me, yeah, like, obviously you'd like to see Ben scoring, but I don't know. Like, it doesn't I'm – not, I'm not looking at that either and saying, ah, well – you know, wasn't a great night because Ben didn't score enough. You know, like, Embiid had 38. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, Scott had 15 as a starter. If Embiid crushing. is taking over like that, I think naturally, too, there's obviously going to be some, some point withdrawal from other players. So, um, yeah, I, you know, and I, I think the only thing you could say about uh, Ben is that he's been great, too. Mm-hmm. Like, and again, strangely enough, he's been a really cl- clutch free throw shooter. Uh, he did it in Boston uh, again last night uh, against New Orleans, uh, where they were doing the uh, the hack of Ben strategy. And um, obviously, again, he, he hasn't really improved all that much free throw shooting, uh, but he's certainly been clutch the past few games, which is helpful. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think everyone's pulling their weight at this point. I don't think you can say a single player is you know really underperforming you know maybe you expect a little more of some guys in certain areas but i i think everyone's really playing very well right now yeah and then last night you know the the big win over uh jj reddick and the pelicans they did the jj reddick tribute where he said continue to trust the process um you know he he spoke with the media and said that he watched the Sixers Celtics game and muted it because he doesn't like listening to Chris Webber talk. Um, so he is still one of us, and he said he's always going to root for any team that is coached by Brett Brown, and he's always going to root for Tobias, Ben, and Joel. Which is good. I mean, yeah, I don't really have any like negative feelings towards Jay. It's sort of the same with Jimmy, where it's like yeah. I don't really, you know, I don't really, I don't want to praise them. I don't want to like, I don't really root for them personally. But you know, like they made their decision and. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think I think in a sense we're a little better off without JJ, just because I think paying him the kind of money it would have taken to keep him probably wouldn't have been worth it in the end. Yeah, I'd rather have Josh Richardson. I, yeah, I think that's... you can keep him in the game, and he's he's more versatile on both ends of the ball than JJ is. And we saw that last night too, where the Pelicans had to take JJ Redick out of the game in crunch time because he can't play defense. It was a, it was a little nice to be on the other end of that for <laughs> once. That was that was nice. I did find it interesting though when the game was over, uh JJ sought out Joel. They hugged and everything and the first thing Joel said to JJ that was visible on camera was, "What are you doing tonight?" <laughs> At, yeah. That's that's I, you even saw um Joel hanging out with Jason Tatum mm-hmm. after after the Boston game which was cool. Yeah, I think it's easy to forget sometimes these guys are all like super like close buds and you know work out together in the summer and things like that so you know those relationships are still there but yeah no it was nice to see JJ get a good reception I think he's still you know generally well liked you know by uh, by most of the fan base I don't think anyone has any negative feelings towards him and yeah I don't think he's done or really said anything to deserve to be like you know booed or anything like that um but yeah you know we we move on without him Last night, though, I was, you know, impressed. Ben Simmons, 24 points, 11 assists. Joel, 24 and 11 rebounds. Uh, and then Tobias Harris, 31 points. Is Tobias an all-star right now? Like, if, if the all-star voting happened, would you cast a vote for Tobias to be this team's third all-star? Yeah. I And I, I think, I don't even think it's really a, a marginal thing. I, I think he's he's playing at an all-star level. It's It has to be said. He's um, He's fantastic. 
and I I think yeah, in the East typically is a little lighter mm-hmm. as well. So I wouldn't even be surprised to see us have three All Stars uh, this year they, if it continues like this. They put a list on the broadcast last night. I forget all the players that were on the list, but it was pretty much over the last month. Players averaging at least twenty plus points a game and shooting fifty percent. Tobias, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, DeMar DeRozan, like Giannis was on the list, and Tobias is on that list. So like to see him in that company too just shows you how dominant and how well he's been playing. I mean he's verging on playing uh for how much he's paid. <laughs> you know, like he's he's starting to get to kind of that level um yeah, you hope that this kind of continues on. I think he's he's in a little bit of like hot streak now. I don't know this is exactly where he's gonna be, but um, yeah, he, he struggled a little bit early on in the season, kind of to, to find his legs. And I think we were all a little worried just because post trade to to Philly, he had kind of he had like a good first month and then trailed off, and it felt like a continuation of that. But definitely seems to have found his feet. Um, and part of it again is it was a new starting five, a lot of things to work out and understand. And I think this is now you're starting to see that cohesiveness, that chemistry, that, you know, is, takes a little bit to build. And especially, again, every night we're, we're missing one of the starting five, which which doesn't really help things. But I think Tobias has been great. And uh, if, you know, continues on next month, I don't know how you can say he isn't an all-star. Really, I, I think he's been fantastic. I think a lot of people forget, too, that Tobias Harris is only 26 years old. Like, he's just been in the league so long and he's bounced around so much that people forget how young he actually is. And, the, you know, the meme about Tobias is that he improves every year in the league, but it's true, and he's, he's been a continual, you know, improving guy and, and always progressing his game and developing. So, yeah, if, if he takes another step this year, that's obviously great for the Sixers and great for Tobias. So. And uh, one thing I learned on the broadcast, too, last night is that Howell Neto is shooting 50% from three this year. Yeah, expect that, to, <laughs> which is insane because that's not at all what you thought Howell was going to be bringing us. He's hitting, I mean, he's taking confidence threes. He's taking Steph Curry threes. Like, he's stepping back five feet beyond the arc and, uh, and chucking. So you got to love and respect uh that part of his game um but yeah you know there is a there's a little bit of uh you know opposite end of the bell curve right now with some of the Sixers shooting expect some of that to cool off but you know you can also enjoy it while it's here and um yeah I will that was not going to be shooting 50 percent Thibault's not going to be shooting 46 percent although Thibault I think is going to be a better three-point shooter than we all thought um I wouldn't be surprised to see him settle around that 38 39 mark which is a a great mm-hmm. spot to be in, especially as, as a rookie. Um, but yeah, you know, he, he's going to, you know, he'll have a little more variance in his game. But like I said, everything is, is working really well for the Sixers. And it's hard to say otherwise when they're on a win streak and, you know, still unbeaten at home and they're in the position they are uh, within in the conference as well. You know, you look, everyone's starting to drop a few games here and there. You can't underestimate the fact that you've beaten uh, Boston and, and Toronto in the past week now, which not only conference opponents, but also divisional opponents. And uh, that could be important uh, come the end of the year. So, and, and I think we all forget too, that this was a team that never beat the top teams in the East ever. They have one loss against uh, Indiana, Toronto, Boston, and Miami. Yeah. So far this season, it was the one Toronto game where Embiid just didn't score. And it was the exact opposite, uh, you know, a year or two ago where, you know, I, I think, we didn't beat a single one of those teams until like late in the year, and now it's it's the opposite. Where those teams, we we match up well with them, we abuse them, and and we beat them. And there we say, bully them. We do bully them. That's for sure. And, but that's 
that makes me ten like I'm ten times happier as opposed to ten times unhappy when we blow a game to the Wizards as right. opposed to when we beat a team like Boston on the road. When we when we uh you beat Toronto at home like that. Or when we compete with Toronto on the road like we did. Like those things are important. Like be like that's that to me is is way way more important than to me than than any kind of loss like you know picking the bones out of losing to Washington who I don't care like if if, nope. we're, if we're beating the top teams in the East that's going to translate to the playoffs I know right. that that'll start to be a different beast and obviously then stakes get higher there's more pressure you know they can game plan a little better but I like that to me is the important thing and that's actual progression we're seeing too you know we, we constantly talk about how this team is young and developing you were looking at a team now that is doing and winning games and playing in a way that we always wanted them to and that we were always complaining that they didn't do that they're now doing you know the, even the turnovers in the last week or so have been a little better we're never going to be a low turnover team we're always going to be one of the worst teams in the league and that's just because of how much we move the ball and how much we play on the break and yeah we do have some guys that like to get a little f- fancy and and be could probably lose like get a, a, a little tighter grip on the ball but you know, altogether, this team I think is developing in a lot of areas that we've, you know, constantly seen as store spots, and that's that's encouraging as well. You only had eleven turnovers against Celtics, which we know the history with this team against Celtics. They turn the ball over at an insane rate. Celtics are good. Them. Are a team that gives us a lot of a lot of problems. I think one of our, our more difficult matchups in the entire league, and yeah, like that's that's great. <laughs> like, and that's then genuinely nine great. New Orleans. Yes. Nine. When do we ever see this team with single-digit turnovers? Very ever. rarely. Very rarely. And, you know, it's one game, but that's that's what I'm saying is that, you know, we're still going to be a heavy turnover team, but it's there is some mild improvement there, um, and I think there's always going to be, but, you know, it's, it's always going to be a struggle. But, uh, you know, you look at even three-point shooting. This team is now, you know, one of the top teams in the league, you know, for, for overall percentage, sitting around like 37 38%. So that's, that's encouraging. I, everything right now is kind of turning and, and you're looking at this team like you know wow they really are you know right behind the bucks in the east right now i i, I think you have to say i literally. think the bucks are still yeah literally too but <laughs> you know i think when you talk about like you know, power rankings yeah. and stuff like that um you know everyone wanted to kind of do like victory laps 14 games in the season when the sixers were kind of in the pack with everyone else and you're starting to see a little bit of that turn. Now, they have to be consistent. They have to continue on this. They're going to have a huge test in a week and a half uh, at Christmas against Milwaukee. We're, we're gonna, that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and even between that, you have some difficult games. But overall, like I, I think you have to be excited about the way this team is playing. They are second in the Eastern Conference through t- playing 27 games. And that's like something we expected for the end game of this season, where they could be the two or the three seed. Obviously, Milwaukee, we knew, was going to be a force, and that's what they are right now, but they're ahead of teams like the Celtics, the Heat, you know, Indiana, the other teams that we expected to kind of be in that top tier of the Eastern Conference, and they've absolutely destroyed them. You know, they're 2-0 against Boston this year. Who would have seen that coming this early? You know, just on paper and how things play out, that's a positive. And like you said, we got the Nets tomorrow, the Heat come back to town on Wednesday, then you get Luka, Kristaps, and the Mavericks on Friday, and then you get the rematch with the Wizards. You go on the road against the Pistons before you play the Bucks on Christmas. So, like we've said, Testavis in, in full effect, but they are they're absolutely dominant. They have two five game winning streaks, which is two more than the Phillies had all season. <laughs> and the Phillies have double the amount of games <laughs> to, to get it done. Uh, uh, 
Yeah. They're 14 and 0 at home. They are the last undefeated team at home because Miami lost last night and uh they took away Boston's undefeated home record too, which is always fun. Yeah. I, that and that's the positive thing about this team is they're just continue to roll and yeah, as you as you go through December you know, test of us. We're, I think we're passing it. I think you'd give this team probably an A minus for December, and the only reason the minus is there is because of that Wizards game. Um, but overall, like this, this has been a really strong month, and you you hope that this continues to build. I mean, even look at the Bucks. I think it's unlikely, but you're three three and a half games behind them right now. So you know, you, you say you talk yourself into being you know undefeated going into that Christmas game, and you know what a nine game win streak. You know, you, you maybe pull one back, and the, even the one seed starts to be a conversation. I don't personally believe that because I think Milwaukee's a, a much better built for the regular season than we are. I think Giannis is unbelievable, but you know, like it's not inconceivable, right? right? Like it's, it's not, not like, out of the question. It's not like wow, no, no chance. Like no, yeah, you'd give it to Milwaukee, but Sixers are. You know, if we have another month like this, Sixers are going to be in that conversation. You know, that that's just the fact of it. Um, and if they can cut out some of these more ugly losses, then yeah, Sixers are going to be there. And I think already you can look at a few losses and be like, well, I don't know if we really deserve to lose that. I think we should have had that game. Um, you know, that that's that's where we're going to be, right? You know, you look at the losses we've had this season. They've all been close. The Denver game was like bl- came down to blown calls. Um, you know, as we got in the the last two minute report, you know, you had like the Suns go nuclear on us. You know, Devin Booker as he kind of frequently does without Embiid. Without Embiid, like you. You look at it. And the Jazz game was a two-point loss. Yeah, like it's not like this team has been beat down by anyone yet, you know. And and when they have been behind, they've had an ability to to come back. I, I think overall this team has been uh, been very good, uh, especially when everyone's healthy and playing. This team has looked very good, um, and that's again. For me, the Sixers season is coming down to May and June. What happens then? Uh, if if we lose a bad game in December, so be it, right? But ultimately, when you see the starting five and, and their net rating together and how they're playing, I don't know how you can't be excited about this team. I really don't. It's super encouraging, too, just the way they're playing right now during this stretch. And it continues tomorrow in Brooklyn, a team that they should be able to handle and you know have their way with. Even though Brooklyn is a quality team, they're not at full strength, obviously, because Kevin Durant's not going to play this year. But this is a team that the Sixers should be able to have their way with just the way that they play versus you know, this Brooklyn team and just how history has kind of played out against them and how they play against each other. And this is our first uh, first shot at Brooklyn since the playoffs last year, which is interesting. And um, Brooklyn hasn't been great this year. They've been kind of an average team, to be honest. And I think Sixers have a distinct advantage interior-wise, uh, which we saw in the playoffs last year, where is going to be able to dominate. I think the only thing you have to worry about is if Kyrie is playing, he's... The, he's a player that has certainly had a, a good good vibes when he's played the Sixers and guards of his ilk frequently do. But I think I think you have to put that down as a very winnable game, even if it is in Brooklyn. Yeah. So, I mean, looking at the the way the schedule plays out, obviously the Heat coming back, it's gonna be another fun game against Jimmy Butler, and I I like that it is at Wells Fargo Center. I'm glad it's not down in Miami. And then you have the Mavericks on Friday and the Wizards on Saturday as part of this three-game homestand. There's there's a way that this team wins four more in a row and continues to be undefeated at home uh, by the time they go on the road, you know, two days before Christmas against the Pistons. Yeah, I. It's I just, absurd. I just I just feel like 
very warm feelings about the Sixers, and it's it's, it's the perfect time of year for that. You know, uh, gather up some eggnog and some hot chocolate, and just just watch the Sixers absolutely crush other teams' dreams. And you know what uh, gives us that opposite feeling is just hanging on by a thread, talking about this Eagles team. Mm. But some uh, before we get into the game news, uh, according to a little report shuffled over to me from our boy Dylan Mazzola uh, on BleedingGreenNation.com from Brandon Lee Gowton. ESPN did uh, their NFL's top 25 free agents in 2020. Number 11, A.J. Green, best fit, Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, injury-prone wide receiver. <laughs> Makes total sense. <laughs> I mean, yeah, talent level, he'd be the best wide receiver you Eagles have probably had this decade, um, maybe even beyond that. I, I think there's a conversation at least, but um, he's he has frequent injury problems now. He's been a, he's missed pretty much this entire year, right? Yeah, he has uh, not played a game this year with uh, an ankle injury, which is not particularly inspiring. Um, but you know, in, in to play devil's advocate to that, that could work in the Eagles' favor because maybe then market's a little lower on him. You know, maybe you get a, a him at a, a good price, maybe a little cut rate, and you know, if you he, if he's healthy, then you have a discount at AJ Green, uh, which would obviously be a, a big positive, a big win for everyone. Um, but I don't know. That's that's an interesting interesting thought about AJ Green. But you know, it, it again, it just would be like a little bit like repeating the Deshaun yeah. Jackson thing, where it's like, okay, well, uh, not really the best long term fit. And also, uh, just kind of have to hope that he stays healthy. Especially since he's 30 years old already. Like, he's yeah. not getting any younger. These injuries are going to potentially continue to pile up. Um, and they have piled up for this Eagles wide receiver crew because Alshon Jeffrey is out for the season. It has been confirmed he suffered a Liz Franck injury against the Giants. That was the foot injury. And the recovery time for Alshon is going to be at least nine months. So that puts him pretty much right up against the start of the 2020 season, which does not bode well for what I would say Alshon's future with this team. Although his contract is, you know, fully guaranteed, I would be shocked if Howie Roseman didn't kind of work some way of a, an easy out of Alshon's contract, especially now that his his future is unknown because a Liz Franck injury for a wide receiver is extremely difficult to recover from. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, it just sucks. Just flat out sucks for uh, Eagles. Going to have a lot of work to do this offseason. And again, we, I think we've compared them at multiple stages to the Phillies. It's very much reminiscent of the uh, the Phillies' the pitching options. Who would have thought the Phillies were more like you were able to suffer more with them and, and deal with what was going on than what this Eagles team is? Yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's kind of unbelievable. They get Washington tomorrow uh, in Washington, that horrendous stadium that they play in, in Maryland. They don't even play in D.C. Um, Eagles enemies dropped this morning with Sports Journey's Lake Lewis Jr. Well, there can only be so much garbage in D.C. It's very true. Uh, this this Washington team is an absolute mess. You know, they're 3-10 and ten. since the last time the Eagles played them. Obviously, the Eagles have had changes, but Washington has a new coach, a new quarterback, a bunch of young talent due to injuries and just mishandling of players. Um, and there's really only like three guys on this Washington team that actually can do something in my mind. And that's obviously Adrian Peterson because he's a first ballot hall of famer and 
He didn't play like the first half of the season because of Jay Gruden just holding him out and everything. You have Terry McLaurin who torched us in that first game. And then Dwayne Haskins is a young quarterback who this Eagles team has never really seen before. So you also have to take that into account. But other than that, this Eagles team should have their way with this Washington team. And there's absolutely no excuse for them to get off to like a slow start just because there's nothing that should terrify this team. Carson Wentz should be the most comfortable he has been all season, even with the lack of wide receivers. Yeah, you say that. Uh, and we'll be down 17-3 <laughs> to three at halftime. Um, I mean, the one positive, too, is Adrian Peterson is he's not at all the Adrian Peterson we know. But he's, he's had okay games. But, you know, they, Darius Geis is out injured, of course. And, you know, Adrian's going to have to carry a lot of that load. And I think the Eagles have been very good at stopping the run this year. So I, I don't expect that to be an issue. Terry McLaurin is a worry um, just because you've seen that even, all it takes is one good wide receiver against this Eagles secondary to, to torch them, you know, as we saw in Miami. So Terry McLaurin could absolutely do that. Um, you know, and Philly sports have had issues with fringe guys nicknamed Scary Terry, <laughs> giving them nightmares before. So he, he certainly wouldn't be the first to do that. Um, yeah, but, you know, all that said, the Eagles should be winning this game. There's really no no discussion about it, but you know, we talked a little bit Wednesday. This Redskins team hung around in Green Bay. Um, now the Packers have done that a lot this year where they sort of get to this early lead and, and coast. And, I mean, they even did it against the Eagles, and they were able to come back from it. Um, but you can't take any team lightly in, in the NFL. Um, Eagles should know that better than anyone considering some of the losses they've had this year. And you hope that uh, that tomorrow you, you – you, you do what has to be done, um, and hopefully get a favor from the Rams, too. That'd be great. And uh, we already knew Lane Johnson was out, but I just got the alert via the Eagles app. Nelson Aguilar, Derek Barnett, and Jordan Howard have all been downgraded to out. That's great. Fantastic. Um, one positive, though, is that the Eagles found a wide receiver with speed, and he was on their practice squad. So wide receiver Robert Davis took Alshon Jeffrey's uh, roster spot, from the practice squad. He was with Washington earlier this season. Uh, had a lot of hype coming out of the draft, but then he absolutely demolished his knee, like tore every ligament in his knee. But he still has that speed, and uh, this is a guy that could be one of those diamonds in the rough that you just stashed on your practice squad, and he ends up being here long term. Uh, this isn't just a guy that you're bringing in because he played for Washington and you want to know the playbook and all that stuff. This is a guy that could find his way onto this roster the rest of this season and potentially into next year as one of your depth wide receivers. People say he's kind of a hybrid between Alshon Jeffrey and a poor man's Julio Jones, just based off of speed and physicality. So if Robert Davis is a guy that they find at the wide receiver position and can use him, I'm very excited. I'm I'm really interested to see what he can do tomorrow in his first game with the Eagles. Yeah, it's going to be um, – you, know, you hope that guys like that can make a breakthrough. Um I'm not necessarily holding my breath, but Eagles are going to need any help they can get, not even just for this year, right, but but going forward in terms of wide receiver core because there's no one. <laughs> there's no one that you have any faith in uh, coming this season, which is scary. Um, and me, it's draft priority certainly has to be in that area. And, yeah, any free agents, maybe even any potential trades, have to be considered uh, to, to help that out. One thing we do have to, uh, you know, bash on this Eagles team too is uh, Kamagruje Hill. Don't know if you saw this, yes. match, but uh, lied about having a concussion in the Miami game and 
the quote-unquote headache just didn't go away for two weeks and then finally got evaluated and he had a concussion and was playing with it. I don't I don't understand why. Common one, why would you ever say that to the media? They are going to run away with stories about that. Two, you're putting yourself at risk more than anything else. Like, you are putting your long-term health at risk by lying about a concussion. I mean, it's not uncommon to see players do that just because, you know, their, their mentality and they want to be out there playing. Um, but it is uncommon to just flat out tell <laughs> about how you did it. Um, Doug Peterson, rightfully so, uh, upset with that. Uh, development, yeah, it's not good. But this, I think this is, speaks to the culture of the league is that, um, you know, we as fans and I think a lot of people who, who watch the game and write about it want these players to be safe and want there to be more kind of protection for them, more understanding and uh, pulling guys out of games and landing them back in when they take these big hits and they're clearly concussed. But the players, you're rarely going to get in their current career say, oh, you know, I, I want to sit out or I, I can't go because of this. You know, in hindsight, they'll say, because they start to feel the effects, and they'll start to think, like, wow, that was really dumb of me. Um, but, you know, you're never going to get a guy who's dedicated his whole life to, to getting to this moment, to getting to this level of the game um, and not want to do everything to, to be out there. And, you know, concussions, too, can not always feel the same, right? Like, and you can get, like, kind of later onset uh, symptoms of them. So... You know that's that's obviously part of this too, but yeah, it's it's never a good thing. And I think um, you know I, I hope that uh, I hope that everyone reports their injuries yes. properly because you know it's scary too with with concussions. It's not something you really want to mess with. You know everything we know about you know second stage hits and things like that and what that can do to your actual life. Not not even just uh, you know sitting out for the rest of the year, but you know what kind of actual damage that can do to you. So hopefully not something we, we kind of have to, to deal with or talk about in the future. Part of the uh, the rest of the injury report, Ronald Darby is questionable for tomorrow's game, uh, and Kamu practiced in full, so he should be good to go, as well as Jalen Mills should be good to go. Um, this Eagles team just needs to go and win. Take advantage of the opportunity in front of you. Uh, this Cowboys team is not good. So they could lose to the Rams. Just go win. Take advantage of this opportunity. Set yourself up for a winner-take-all at home against the Cowboys next week. And just go out and win. Like the, the opportunity is right in front of you. It's like the carrot dangling in front of the horse. Just go after it and go get it. It's it's that simple. And I, I think this Eagles team is going to end up winning tomorrow, hopefully, if all things go, you know, as well as they can, and this should be a, another statement win for Carson Wentz where he just kind of puts the nail in the coffin of another team, and this Eagles team just continues to roll during this final stretch. And and good luck, obviously, to fantasy playoffs. Yes. Mine have already started. I accidentally started Jamison Crowder. I didn't mean to, <laughs> and turns out I'm a genius. <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> turned out very well for me. Um, so, yeah, obviously tomorrow a big day for, for the fans, too. Cause that it is. Semifinals, I think, at most leagues, but... Yeah, it's going to be exciting. I'm not in the playoffs in any of my leagues, unfortunately. So you I know just what? Get to uh, couch watch and it's it's almost a little better that way because <laughs> you don't you don't have to get rashly pissed off at uh, oh. Mike Evans getting shut down, uh, <laughs> Marvin Jones getting shut down for the rest of the year. You don't you don't have to be like I was and uh, stare at my wall and ponder existence. So. Yeah, I, I would have been because on my team I had DJ Chark and I had Calvin Ridley. They're both pretty much done for the season and. Uh, 
would not have been a fun time with my uh, my team, especially since Matt Ryan was my quarterback and he only has Julio Jones to throw to. Uh, As a Julio Jones owner, that makes great. me happy. I can't <laughs> wait for him to have uh, like 13 catches for 62 yards. <laughs> uh, a little bit of shocking and unfortunate news came across the Twitter timeline yesterday, and that is Flyers Oscar Lindblom being diagnosed with Ewing sarcoma, a rare uh, bone cancer. Uh, he is shut down for the rest of the season as he, you know, starts to get treatment for this. They said it was found in his upper body, which is also rare uh, because this is typically a bone cancer that kind of attacks your legs and, uh, you know, the lower body. But I just I was at a loss for words when I saw this kind of just pop up across the timeline. Uh, you know, when you watch sports, you expect guys to get hurt. You know, it's just part of it, unfortunately, and you expect them to maybe miss parts of the year, and it, it always sucks seeing that. And this is, like, you know, well beyond that. This is something that's obviously uh, friends his life, and he's young. He's 23 years 23 old. 23 years old. To, to have to, to deal with this, it's yeah, it's it's scary. Uh, it sucks. Um, you know, unfortunate that he's, he's going to – that he has to deal with this. But I think also, on, on if you're thinking positively, is he has – think about his – great of a support system as you could ask for um and obviously too i'm sure his family is going to be there for him uh taking care of him and yeah the whole flyers organization as well and best city for medical care as well yeah that that obviously helps um so yeah you know he's thankfully going to be i think you'd safe to say in like the best hands you, you could possibly have to to deal with this and you certainly trust that when it comes to fighting through any pain and you know kind of working through this and listening to doctors and taking it instead you know he's he's absolutely gonna gonna do that but yeah it's it's scary um and it's yeah it, it does leave you at a loss for it because you don't even know what to say you know someone again just someone so young um you'd ex- it's just weird because you have this like mindset of these athletes they're in great shape great condition like they shouldn't have like it, it, it's something out of the blue just it's completely opposite to what you think about them like they shouldn't be sick right and of course it's not like he's done anything to you know uh uh get this it's not like he's you know out walking with no shirt right. on in the middle of winter getting catching a cold it's just you know it's uh it's one of those things and it's incredibly unfortunate and obviously you know you hope uh hope he pulls through with this and but again you know i think everyone's going to be so supportive of this and you know you think too of you even the flowers organization on the whole has um you know a lot of campaigns uh, you know helping in, in charities helping you know cancer and cancer patients so um that's it you know again i, I think uh, people really care about this kind of thing and making a difference and i think uh, people will definitely like rally around this issue um and and uh, around oscar and again we all hope obviously that he uh he goes through this okay it's very cool too to see all the teams uh you know reach out via social media the players even the nhl as a league itself uh tweeting a couple pictures of oscar and using the hashtag oscar strong also shout out to design tree they uh have come up with a design for uh oscar limblum where all the proceeds are going to cancer research so Big ups to our friends at Design Tree for pulling that together in less than 24 hours. But you never want to, you know, have something like this be a motivating factor. But the way the Flyers are playing right now, obviously it's been a, a fantastic start to the season for them. This could be something that pushes them even more and, you know, they could go on an absolute run now. Yeah, and when you consider that, um, you know, all sports teams are close, but everything we've heard about this Flyers team is that there's definitely a good, you know, feeling in the locker room. Um, 
yeah, I think you'd have to imagine this This definitely gives you a, a different kind of edge and uh, a different kind of emotion, you know, when you have uh, a player, a friend uh, that's out for the rest of the season under these circumstances, you, you definitely uh, could expect that at least, you know, that to be, to be a factor going forward. And um, Yeah, it's obviously unfortunate, you know, given the circumstances, but um, I, I trust that this Flyers team is going to take that instead. And yeah, I, I wouldn't be shocked to see them kind of, to push you know with with oscar in mind so yeah it's that 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 could be a potential you know bright spot out of this is yeah. that you know some of this will be done kind of for oscar right like and uh obviously we are here at underground sports oscar strong as well so uh you know our thoughts and, and best wishes go out to him his family and the flyers organization they take on the wild tonight should be a, a fun matchup chuck fletcher's old team Let's take it to them. Get one over on the old boys. And, uh, you know, just bounce back from that kind of ugly loss to the Avalanche on Wednesday and uh, get back in the win column and just put another, you know, winning streak together as you have a back-to-back. You play Winnipeg tomorrow on the road, and then you come back home for two games against the Ducks and the the Sabres. So, Flyers, put it together. Let's do the damn thing and uh, get some more wins. Phillies, though, signing... uh, South Jersey native yesterday. Matt Caesar, World Series champion with the Chicago Cubs, went to Lower Cape May. Uh, also a baseball and football star at Villanova. Minor league deal. Kind of, you know, just one of those uh, invites to camp, but I could see him potentially making a spot for the bench. And uh, they also brought back our boy, Phil Goslin. The local lad. Um, I love Phil Goslin. Definitely one of my favorite kind of uh, fringe guys. Yeah, and I, I think too, you know, Phillies are probably a good, good team right now for some of these these younger guys. You know, it, there's, it's weird. Phillies are in a strange spot in that they're competing, but they're also still in a way developing. In that, if you're a young player, you still have a decent chance, depending on your position, of course, of getting into this team. Um, you know, if you're a catcher, good luck. <laughs> it, Nobody's taking Andrew. It, you, spot. Yeah, but I mean, you know. You'd say like anyone in the outfield has a reasonable yeah. chance of, of pushing through. Even third base, as it stands, you have a reasonable chance of pushing through. Even anywhere in the infield, honestly, you might be able to get moved around depending on your comfort level or some of these other guys. Uh, pitching, obviously, like if you have a pulse, you got a chance. You know, like we're <laughs> we're taking all living organisms it's more at or less this point. If you have an arm. Yeah, I think I think the Phillies have even been looking into what kind of animals could potentially. <laughs> Be be signed Just to contract and pitch across the street. Maybe maybe that's what you have to do. But yeah, I think um, it's it's all positive, and I think anyone who signs here probably has at least the idea that they could, given you know they perform well, get starts. Especially again, if you're a pitcher, you you absolutely have a chance here. So they made the DD signing official. Uh, so he is here one year, fourteen million dollars. Anthony Rendon no longer in the NL East, which is a beautiful thing. Uh, he goes to the Angels, and look at the Angels, finally giving Mike Trout some help uh, outside of Shohei He's, he's like an infield Mike Trout. <laughs> they're, much. they're both, like, about as low-key of soup. Like, they're both, like, Mike Trout's going to be one of the best baseball, could even be the best right. baseball player ever. And he's just like, yeah, that's just what yeah. I do. <laughs> that's what I just do for half the year, the other half of the year. I like to hunt. <laughs> like he's, he's as low-key of a superstar as you get, and Anthony Rendon's, like, cut from very the same cloth like just kind of both silent killers that uh definitely love the game obviously but um just seem to be like yeah this is just what i, I just play baseball you know i just love it <laughs> like they uh, they don't really have uh big egos which i mean is good for the team you'd expect and um 
Hey, the Angels is building something interesting with with this core they have going now. You, you know, Otani last year, and um, I, I think they they have something special. But it's like still the Phillies. They need pitching, and I mean, they're still you know last year they were like a seventy something win team again. Like they, they still have some way to go. But I mean, if you're if you're they're not starting a rebuild, obviously. But if you're building something and you have Mike Trout and Anthony Rendon as your like foundational pieces, like okay, that's a pretty good start to have. Yeah. <laughs> you just happen to have one of the best infield players and the best outfield player no in the league. Deal. Like it's that's fine. <laughs> Rendon leaving though has caused a swirl where the Nationals are now looking at Josh Donaldson. And I would love for them to overpay Josh Donaldson uh, while letting Anthony Rendon walk. And Chris Bryant is swirling more around the NL East, including the Braves and the Nationals. Uh, the Nationals, We're not like that as much. <laughs> the Nationals, though, don't seem poised to go get Chris Bryant because they'd have to give up Victor Robles, which I can understand, but, man, I would give up Victor Robles for Chris Bryant in a heartbeat. Uh, yeah, I would love, yeah. It's that simple. <laughs> I'd um, love if we could trade Victor Robles or Chris Bryant. <laughs> It'd be awesome. Uh, and then with the Braves, it's pretty much coming down to Chris Bryant or Josh Donaldson at third base for them. Hopefully, the Braves don't, you know, find some way to trade for Chris Bryant because that would be absolute hell on earth having to deal with a lineup in Atlanta that has an infield of Freddie Freeman, Ozzy Albies, Dansby Swanson, and Chris Bryant. I hate Freddie Freeman too. He's got, this, he's got those stupid huge teeth. <laughs> Looks like a cartoon character. <laughs> I hate him. Uh, yeah, I, I think the only thing you'd say about the Braves and the Nationals is uh, they're scared money they and yeah. they don't go out and make it. Um, so that almost, I think, might deter them from someone like Chris Bryant because you're going to have to pay him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would be a little a little surprised, honestly, little think, for Chris Bryant to, to be perfect. I would also be surprised if the Phillies do. I think the Phillies yeah. are kind of standing pat uh, on, on something, something big in, in that realm, but could never count us out, of course. Yeah, I'm, I'm just waiting for the Phillies to make that next step move. You know, obviously Wheeler and Didi are great. Uh, you know, getting the, the minor league bench kind of potential players in Phil Gosselin, Matt Caesar, cool. You need one more kind of big-time move. This offseason, like last year, you traded for Gene Segura, you got Andrew McCutcheon, and then you got Bryce Harper. That was kind of your trifecta. And then you also added JT Real Muto in there, so there was kind of a, a four moves there that really – Change the landscape of this team. Right now, you've made two. And if you want to put Joe Girardi in there, you can. But uh, this Phillies team needs to make at least one more kind of big-time move, whether it's a trade for a pitcher, uh, you know, a trade for a, a, a bat in this lineup. Something has to be done still to really, you know, lock down this team. And hopefully some of these guys that were injured last year come back strong. Um, but the, the strange thing that has surfaced, too, from our friend Tim Kelly from Phillies Nation, uh, a bunch of teams have been calling the Phillies about Nick Pavetta recently. I mean, my opinion on Nick Pavetta is uh, sell him. <laughs> sell him for whatever he's worth. I'm not a big Nick Pavetta believer. Um, I respect the opinions of those that do believe in him, though. Um, you can you can at least still sell me on Nick Pavetta. Everyone else, like, no. <laughs> uh, Vince Velasquez, no thanks. I think you might have, honestly be better off playing him in the outfield. Um, but yeah, I... I it, that is an interesting idea um, about Nick, and I guess you're going to kind of see how much the Phillies value him because, as we know, they, they seem to be pretty high on him. They expected him to make a pretty significant leap last year, and, and he didn't really, but I don't know. I don't know what to think of that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting just because there is, uh, 
there was the rumblings last year where where teams wanted to trade for Nick Pavetta and they they balked at it. They did not uh, you know want to move on from him and it, it's going to be interesting with some of these guys like Pavetta, Eflin, Velasquez that were in this rotation last year and even Jake Arrieta to an extent. I've seen a bunch of takes where you know there's there's people talking about trading for starting pitchers that have big money contracts. Jake Arrieta is a one year twenty million dollar deal. Would a team rather take a chance on? you know, one year of Jake Arrieta than having, like, three more years of John Lester or something like that. Um, it, it's going to be something to monitor with the guys that were in this rotation last year outside of Aaron Nola. Yeah, and I think, too, you're going to kind of see maybe the Phillies. I think if we keep Arietta, you keep the band together, so to speak, I actually think that speaks almost more positively to the Phillies, if that makes sense, because then you would I would rationalize it as they're – gonna expect those guys to be off the book next year and then you can go out and spend again and sort of reevaluate um you know obviously we we want to see win now moves we want to see them trade and make big signings but you know realistically we know that there is some limit to that um but yeah i mean if we hang on to arietta i almost think that might be better because then you could get someone you actually want next year on the market which you know of course is a bit of a crapshoot in of itself um but yeah you know i you know you Right now, you'd be kind of exchanging your unwanted pieces for someone else's unwanted pieces, and you'd kind of just, I think, be convincing yourself that, oh, this guy fits here, you know, for this reason. We can make it work. And I feel like we've maybe done that too much where it's like, well, we'll find a way to make it work, and we haven't, especially when it comes to pitching. Um, so I almost think it might be better to go into next offseason with an extra $35, 40000000 to spend and kind of push it out that way. Totally. And uh, a couple odds and ends that we missed during our Sixers segment. Allegedly, Kendall Jenner was at the game last night. Not courtside. She was uh, up in a box, but uh, here we go again with the, the Jenner drama. I got, I got no comment. I got nothing good to say about the Jenners on the Kardashians. No. Uh, but some positive stuff. The Mike Scott Hive is having Hive Night at the Sixers. Uh, February 7th against the Grizzlies. There's going to be two sections reserved in the 200 section. Cheer on Mike and obviously the team. Uh, if you go to their Twitter page, at Mike Scott underscore Hive, there's a Google Doc where you can sign up and be you know first to get notifications on when the tickets go on sale. They are going on sale soon um, for the reserve section, so check that out. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be shenanigans beforehand and afterhand as well, so... Uh, Mike Scott Hive night I'm at the Sixers. I'm loving the evolution of the Mike Scott Hive, where, like, last year, you know, over the uh, summer, you had, like, the Phillies, um, like, uh, like uh, game, and, and a bunch of people went and they had, like, kind of tailgate, and it was, like, this small, sm- sm- I shouldn't say small, but it was, you know, smaller in stature, and it's, like, you know, the team came out and gave them some stuff that was very cool, and then you have this fall, like, you have, like, more, a much more official oh, one. You got crazy tailgate. You got, you know, like, you know, Lots and you got people coming in games and more drinks and stuff Team and then you got out bringing stuff Xfinity Live kind of and now you're stepping up to oh you're getting a reserve section I'm wondering what we're going to be next year uh, <laughs> if everyone in the hive is going to get a ring as well <laughs> you know but it's like you we're kind of evolving each each. It's like three or four months. It's like the next step. The and like, gets bigger. There's going to be like the whole like mezzanine. It's just going <laughs> to be <laughs> it's going to be painted black and yeah. yellow. Um but it was really cool, too, uh, from that November 23rd tailgate. Uh, the, the tailgate raised damn near $2,600 for Phil Abundance. 
uh, and that is still going on. There is a link that you can continue to donate to. They are nearing uh, $3,000 for Phil Abundance, which is a fantastic cause. So shout out to everybody that donated, bought raffle tickets, all that good stuff. Um, just seeing, you know, the Sixers community continue to do good work is always a positive and uh, all in the name of Mike Scott. Our Lord and Savior. Just bringing the people together. Uh, like we said, Sixers play tomorrow. Eagles play tomorrow. Flyers play tonight and tomorrow. So a bunch of Philly sports going on. That means you should be following us on Twitter at UndergroundPHI. You can follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Castorina. You can follow me on Twitter at KBIZZL311. And then make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews. Whatever you want to let us know about. We'll read them on the show, all that good stuff. Uh, but five stars only because we have standards. We know you do too. And you can check us out on Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher. You can follow and stream us on iHeartRadio, the TuneIn app, and Radio.com. Make sure you check out our friends at Design Tree too. Uh, whole store, 20% off with the promo code HOLIDAYS. Or you can use promo code DSGN10 for $10 off your order at checkout. All our stuff is in there. We've got some Philly stuff coming uh, into the store regarding DD and Zach Wheeler as well. So make sure you check out our friends at Design Tree. And as always, show brought to you by Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot. Make sure you check them out too if you're in the South Jersey or Philly area. Ton of stuff to get you ready for the holidays. Security 21, Wainwright Bernhardt Funeral Home, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated. Hey, if you want to buy your friends, family, a car, check out our friends at Bob Novick Auto Mall, Mark Ronchetti CPA LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. This has been Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 193. For Matt, I'm Kyle. Go Birds. Catch you guys next week. Peace.